0: Hello and welcome, I'm Christina Irvin, leader of Team Clarity. I got sick and tired of blowing money on trainings and coaches giving me advice that just weren't helping me move past my blocks and be successful in my business and shine the light that I was created to shine in my life. So I made a decision. Are you ready to make a decision? Would you like to stop blocking your own path to success and fulfillment? Maybe you want to gain the confidence to overcome life challenges yourself. You are in the right place if so. We welcome you to listen to this week's discussion. Did you miss a week? You can always listen to our prior shows at bit.ly forward slash pay radio. To get one reminder of our next show, click on the follow button at the top of the page. It's time to dive in and let's get to work. Let's meet the rest of the team.
1: Hello everyone and welcome. This is Julia Colon from the city that never
2: sleeps,
0: New York City. Hello, this is Chelsea Wells from the mountains of
2: Tennessee. Have a blessed day. Hi, this is Marcia Sortino, and I'm in Boston,
3: Massachusetts. Aloha, and welcome. You're listening to Soul, your host for Pay Me What I'm Worth's talk radio. Team Clarity members share their class time with us for two main reasons. Reason number one, they want those they hold near and dear to know about the changes that they're making on multiple levels. As they change... By listening to these classes, people who know Team Clarity members may opt to change along with them. Reason number two, to share their stories with you. I bet their stories and life lessons will inspire all sorts of ahas for you too. Okay, time to start the class. Have you figured out that this chapter is a chapter that never ends? <laughs>
4: yes. Yeah. Yeah. So on and on. Yeah.
3: The challenge I give myself is as I absorbing those things that are catching my eye daily. I'm being mindful of hmm, who seems to be running across my path more than once? Is there a name? Is there a topic? Is there a theme to what seems to be catching my eye on more than one occasion? And if the same name pops up three and four times, all of a sudden I'm realizing, ah, I need to contact that person to possibly look at a mentor relationship. So I'm constantly reaching out to people every week, every month tapping on their door. Who are you? What are you doing? I want to learn more. Delightfully, surprisingly, more often than not, they're thrilled that I've knocked on their door, even though these are household names many times. And one of the more intriguing aspects of setting up our relationship is I'll ask them this question. Will you be offended if I never mention your name? Why do you think I asked that question?
5: It gives you an idea of who they are and their core intentions. The type of mentor that I want, they don't want it to be about them. It's not about them. It's about the service to the world.
4: Bingo. Is it more important to get their message out than having their name out? Which one's more important?
3: Mm Mm-hmm. I'm looking for mentors that understand the art of integration, ownership, personal empowerment. I'm looking for mentors that really have no expectations in how I hear what they have to say, integrate what they say, and then act on what they've taught me. I'm looking for mentors who have no desire to control me. Any ideas why? Because there's no interest in
5: self-serving mentors. It's not what I want. So, But a mentor who, A, encourages me to look within myself and and find my own meanings and my own thought processes and sharpens that thought process and that sharpens me in the end so that I can then go out and continue to, to share my life.
4: You don't want someone who is going to, per se, have you drink their Kool-Aid. You want someone, (laughs) you don't want them to try to pour all their ideals into you. You want someone to encourage you to be you.
5: Excellent point.
4: That's a good question, though, so.
5: Like the thin line between that, because I find that people get confused between growth
3: and being true to themselves. Any particular reason why I'm making a point of this discussion on this particular part in our journey? At this point in our journey, we're looking
5: for mentors, and we are becoming aware of what it's like to become a mentor to others.
3: Mm-hmm. What else?
1: I also think that it, you can be vulnerable when you're looking for a mentor, and being vulnerable, you could choose the wrong one. And not make the right decision based on emotion instead mm-hmm. of fact. And also finding a mentor that's not judgmental. Someone who's going to encourage me to do what it is that I love to do and help with finding the solution and putting me in a position where I can answer my own questions. I particularly don't want a mentor that's going to be telling me, no, you have to do it this way, because then I'm duplicating that mentor instead of myself being who I am and creating something that defines who I am.
3: All good points.
1: And that's something something I would not expect from a mentor anyway.
3: Some really good stuff. Keep going. There's a nuance here that you have not touched on yet. Let's see if you can figure it out.
2: Hi, this is Marsha.
3: Good morning. Good morning, morning, Marsha.
2: I believe that if I'm going to mentor somebody, I really want to make sure that they blossom to their fullest potential. And so I don't want to have to give them the answers. I really want them to search for their own answers, just like we are doing in this journey, because I don't really know everything about them right now myself. I want them to blossom to their fullest potential, and it also helps me to understand them as I'm experiencing who this person is that I'm mentoring. Not to mention, though, also, I can't think of,
5: like, a real mentor that that's worth their salt, that, that doesn't want that legacy, of whatever that they're working on, whatever they're mentoring to continue to perpetuate. And that only happens when they are not out there tooting their own horn because people are turned off by that. When I mentor somebody and they have a movement in their life as a result of my mentorship, it's not about me, but if my mentorship helps them find that within themselves and really take a stride in a movement in life, that pays forward, that legacy that I'm working to build.
3: Hopefully. Warmer. Getting warmer. Both Christina and Marcia, you're touching upon what I call the sweet and sour of mentorship. The sweet part is that release of control so that we all can just be ourselves. Yeah?
4: Yeah.
3: Yeah. The sour part <laughs> so, is The second I become focused on you, I lose my objectivity. The second I start thinking, Julia seems to be stuck with finding people to sign up for her class, so i got to really rah-rah Julia. The second I worry about Marsha and maybe what Marsha is doing, or Chelsea, or Christina, or Patty. The second I start getting focused on your success, what happens to our relationship? Expectation. Mhm. And then
5: that brings in the doubt, guilt, shame. Mm-hmm. Definitely brings in the doubt and the worry that I'm going to be taking action to please soul, mm-hmm. rather than taking action for my own personal growth. And then that becomes controlling and manipulative, like you were saying. It's a toxic relationship that starts to develop.
3: Bingo. Because sometimes in that moment where you're the gnat on the windshield of life, sometimes when you go splat, sometimes when I know you're about to go splat, it's very similar to, for instance, parents. I've watched parents tell their children, don't touch that, it's hot. Don't touch that, it's hot. They'll tell their children a thousand times, don't do something. Julia, you've probably done this yourself. But what does your child do? Well, they touch it, and for the rest of their life, they're going to remember. They don't touch glowing, burning thing on top of the stove. So part of mentorship is, unfortunately, being mindful that you witness the person you're mentoring purposefully sabotage themselves. You know they're sabotaging themselves, but you also are aware that if you say, hey, are you aware of how you're sabotaging yourself? It will actually abort a lesson you need to learn. Did that make any sense?
1: Yes, it does. does.
3: Mm Perfectly. I speak of this only because there was a moment in my evolution of waking up into one of my shamanic roles where I really blossomed into my gift of vision. I don't know how, it's very difficult to put into words, but by doing a particular ceremony with a person, I could get into your future. I could see very clearly what it is you're here to do, how you're here to do it. I could see every step of the way on how you can accomplish becoming just amazingly successful. Well, back then, my discernment was not fully ripened yet and I thought it was quite a gift to be able to sit you down and go oh my god Julia check this out and you're going holy crap yeah I can oh my god Chelsea check this out I thought I was just the oracle (laughs) and then it became very abundantly aware to me As I used that gift even further, I saw how I aborted lessons you really needed to learn. I helped you shortcut, or it looked like a shortcut. But I think I found in my life, shortcuts are never shortcuts.
4: (laughs) (laughs) We learn the most valuable lessons through trial and tribulation or what I call going
3: into the
4: fire. We learn the most valuable
3: lessons from that. And when you learn that lesson, is it fair to say, it's your lesson.
4: Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm.
3: The reason why I'm bringing up some of these topics is as we've been doing these Q&A calls, one of the things that I'm mindful of is the repetition of a reference back towards me. Please hear me. You are welcome to own your journey. There's no need to say, well, soul said, da-da-da-da-da, well, in soul's book, da-da-da-da-da. Every time I hear you say that, what I'm hearing is you're not firm on your own confidence yet. You need to back it up by, oh, well, soul said it, and if it doesn't work out, well, soul's an idiot. <laughs> not
4: taking ownership. Right. Mhm, yeah,
3: the best gift I can possibly give you all is for you to forget who I am, for you to literally go, Oh yeah, that that guy, yeah, we went through that class with him i i I haven't even thought of him in a decade. That is to me a gift at the top of the call. you baited us, Miss Chelsea, you baited us, you said something along the lines of there's a profound pool you dove into this morning
4: yes yes there is i think it would come out better if i just read what i blogged this morning morning i called it society and work as an older woman of almost 55 that's what society calls i have learned a valuable lesson recently as many women do i've colored my hair for many years all in chasing dreams not only cover the gray but to look like who society says is better. Damn that gray hair. My hair grows like a chia pet. I constantly worried about gray hair showing. Well, my life has a way of telling me, you need to look deep in your soul about those thoughts you have about your worth. It started out small that I would have a few blisters pop up on my head after I colored my hair. Then they would clear up before I colored again. This went on for about a year. Finally, my body said, look, stupid, you are allergic to hair color now. And my whole head blistered up. So began my journey to acceptance of my gray hair. I did a lot of soul searching to find out why it was so important to me to cover my true self. And I had many aha moments. First was my journey to not be me. I was born with really, really, really white hair, very, very blonde. They called us cotton top. My nickname that followed me into my life is Sam. My mama called me Sammy. She's the only one that could get by with that. Sammy was a tiny little girl with blonde hair and blue eyes. She was the one who was abused and hurt for so many years. But when I was about 30 years old, I dyed my hair flaming red and continued to run, and people started calling me Chelsea, which was my given name. By becoming allergic to hair dye, I ended up stripping my color back to my natural color, which ended up being like a dark blonde, highlighting the top of the little blonde to kind of get me started on my natural process. I'll never forget when the chair turned around, I said, Hello, Sam, and really saw me as my original person. The journey of having to go natural was a deep soul felt journey. I stripped away what was hiding me as my original person, Sam, the one who suffered and screamed in my head. Who would have known that becoming allergic to hair dye would touch my heart and soul so deeply and bring me back to that little girl that needed to be embraced and told it's okay to be Sam again. I love Sammy. She is a strong, loving woman who says, I have earned every gray hair and wrinkle. It's a wonderful thing to be me.
1: That's absolutely beautiful.
4: Who would have known, excepting gray hair would have done that. (laughs) So when my chair turned around and I went, oh, my God, (laughs) Sam," It was breathtaking for me.
5: Proud of you. So, Chelsea, when you turned around and you had that breathtaking moment, let's go a little bit deeper if you don't mind about that. Like, what else were you thinking
4: because you said, hi, Sam? I was thinking, oh, my God, why? And I I thought I knew why I ran from who Sam or Sammy was because of all the things that happened to me as a child and as an adult. But it was so breathtaking to look in the mirror and go, well, hello, Sam. And be okay with it. And not feel like I needed to hide her under red hair and the name of Jelsa. But to truly embrace that little girl who needed to be held and told that it was okay to be me. It was very emotional. Very
5: Safe nice to say that you shed that shameful cloak yeah. that you wore all those
4: years. Yeah, absolutely. So at this point my hair is like 90% gray and I am just thrilled with it it's like losing weight which I'm doing too with isogenics, but it's ridding myself ridding my soul of what covered who I really am because I was ashamed of her and I was afraid of her I was afraid of the emotions that Sam would bring back and my experience has been that Sam has brought back many deep emotions, and I find myself being somewhat more emotional than I have been for years because I've hidden that. I like to say I've got a thick exterior, which I do, but it feels pretty good to be me. This week has been profound. My growth from losing my mom to now is just amazing. Just amazing. I'm just a little emotional this morning.
3: These are the moments that I sincerely hope each of you as teachers get to experience with your teams because this particular moment that Chelsea that you shared with us to me, this is a, a sacred platinum golden moment I know I'll remember for some time to come. Powerful, powerful. Part of What I find fascinating is I've yet to meet someone too old to change. I've had people tell me in their 30s I'm too old to change. I've had people tell me in their 40s, their 50s, their 60s, their 70s. And sometimes when you get into your 80s and 90s, I might let you play that card. Maybe. (laughs) Maybe.
4: You are never too old to change. Ever.
3: Look at how now, Chelsea, this is opened you up to potentials and possibilities that you've kept a lid on for so long, yeah? Mm-hmm.
4: What I find too is I'm a very much an empath and I found that my abilities to be empathic with others has really, that energy level has so increased even since starting our journey here and sometimes that's a little scary because I think that rough exterior that I've had for so long is to protect myself from getting hurt by anybody. And I find that pretty much gone. So it's, it's a little, little scary at times.
3: So you're now waking up to yet another potential of your mentoring capability. Mm-hmm. Is, is it fair to say, Chelsea, you've accessed another level of unconditional love for yourself? Absolutely.
4: Absolutely. It is phenomenal. There are hardly any words to describe it.
5: I don't want to put anybody's age out there, but I think this is a really relevant conversation to being able to step fully into you, step fully out there and put yourself out there when it comes to mentoring.
2: I really think that having our wisdom bank, filled is huge in mentoring. Because as I get more wise, I feel more confident in the fact that I can let someone else just blossom. I don't have to tell them how to do things. I can let them figure it out. And that I like. I really do like that part of things. I had so many different thought processes go through my on at the same time, but I wanted
5: to expand the, the thought process a little bit because we're talking, I think it's fantastic that you had to be like, well, how old am I? Because that's not a factor. Whereas with me, I noticed when I hit the big 3 0, I just forgot completely what
4: my age was. I didn't want age anymore, right? <laughs> People
5: would be like, no, like, you're not that old. But I, st- I really did start forgetting. Then in that moment when you said that, Marcia, it really struck a chord with me, and I remembered something that's a little emotional and a little painful, but I think also very much pointed and goes along with this conversation well. It's, everybody has these things that hold them back that they feel uneasy about. And Chelsea just really was brave and shared with us about her process with eight, and I have had a process with weight. I remember being a chubby kid. was always so active in athletics. I was very fit, and I had a very strong body, and I would bulk up with muscle, but I also had chub, too. I remember different points throughout my childhood where my mom would be frustrated with me because she was the chubby little child syndrome. She had that going on. All of her efforts to not have me feel the way she felt she never realized that she was putting that on me. She was putting her pain on me. So she would get frustrated. Right. And when, like, if we would go shopping for school clothes or something, she would get frustrated, and she would get fearful because she, in her mind, in her family, because she was the chubby one, there was less love and there was less respect. And when she went out into to school and to the world, she was treated a different way Nobody saw her beauty. Which to know my mom, you would—I mean, the woman's hot. Like anyway, like I know that's my mom, but she's always been a beautiful woman. She's always been a beautiful. She was a beautiful child, but she didn't feel that way, and the world didn't tell her that, and so she succumbed to that, and so she got fearful. Where she raised me, and all throughout my life, there would be that rage moment where she was so afraid that because I was chubby. That I wasn't going to get something in life. And I remember one time when I was in college, I was going out and I had this picture of me and a bunch of my buddies, and all my buddies, a lot of my girlfriends were smaller. It wasn't like I was huge, like I was really a good, healthy size, and I thought I was built like pretty good. But my mom, I remember one time saying, Doesn't it bother you to be going out with all these little, petite little things when you're going out and about? And I turned to my mom, I was like, Hell no. Like I'm pulling more digits than they are. What are you talking about? I got dudes calling me left, right, and center. What are you talking about? And my mom was like, a little perplexed by that. And I was perplexed that she was perplexed. But then all of it throughout life, periodically, as I've gotten older, it's Christina. At one time, I had dreadlocks in my hair. Christina, do, why? Don't you worried about what your corporate America is going to say about you having dreadlocks? Well. Yeah, well, I'm in the South. There are some people who have opinions, and so me being an opinionated black woman with dreadlocks probably doesn't make them feel very, you know. And then it would come back to, well, Christina, aren't you worried about being overweight and how people are going to feel about you and what they're going to think about you? I mean, don't you think that will make things harder? It was her stuff, but I chose to take her stuff on as I've gotten older. And I've been saying over the last decade, I took that stuff on so much that I didn't realize, like Chelsea was saying, that that little girl, that little chubby girl was dealing with a lot of hurt. And so as I look at pictures of me now, as I'm losing weight, and I'm losing weight not for what my mom might say or what society might say or somebody else accepting me but I'm losing weight because I want to be fully healthy I want to have a body that doesn't breed an environment for disease I want to live longer I want to be able to shine my light and spread my light as the Lord wants me to be able to and in order to do that I can't be I can't have pain and I can't be tired I've got to feel good physically but it's not about not being that chubby little girl And I think for the first time, like I thank you, Chelsea, for bringing the subject up because it gave me courage to say, well, yeah, Christina, you've had that moment too. And now I can see a picture, and and I've lost a chin. (laughs) So I can say, hey, to that little, that chubby little girl that has spent a lifetime trying to prove to my mom that, Just me being chubby doesn't mean that it has to hold you back in life and that you can't be confident. And it's kind of ironic because she's the one that taught me to love myself so much and be so proud of me and be so confident. But at the same time, she didn't realize that she was ripping that away at the same time. So that's my share.
1: My story is actually opposite from Christina. My story was I was too skinny. My mother would go into a fit of rage if I didn't eat. This is when I was younger. I was called names by my brothers and by my friends at work, the other students. I remember being called olive oil. I was called skinny mini. My mother was like, when are you going to get a bud or a breast? Or It was just terrible. I understand the feeling and, and I just never... Growing up, and I, rem- I, it must, I must have been like 8 or 9 years old, I just felt that I was not accepted by anyone. I could go days without eating and not be hungry. And I remember my mom taking me to the doctor. They agreed that I was underweight. I was given shots to try to make me to eat or try to make me to gain weight. It took a toll on me that even now to this day, I'm 120 pounds and I feel overweight. And I want to go back to being skinny. Like, that's crazy.
2: My story is just like Julia's. I remember being called olive oil, skinny mini, uh, you name it. There were so many words that reminded me of how I just was looking like a thick. And, and every time my dad and mom would take pictures, I would look at the picture and honestly, I would focus on my legs and look at my legs and go, oh my gosh, they look like chicken sticks to me. <laughs> Today, I'm not that skinny anymore. I have filled out, I actually filled out right after I had my first child. I really feel good about my body right now, I mean, I believe that my body, considering that I have had all those children in my lifetime, and that is seven, I'm so happy with it right now. Back then, it really did make an impact on me. Not only skinny, having small breasts and all that was something that I dealt with for many, many years until my first child was born.
4: All these stories speak to what society does to you as a woman. You know, talking about your mothers or anyone else who would call you names for being chubby or being skinny. Society really does a number on a woman. It really does.
5: But let's let's pull this back in just a little bit, though. Pull it back in and frame it a little bit, if you don't mind. Because you make a good point, yeah, that's one of those things that, is perpetuated in society and it's perpetuated in our families and and it gets mm-hmm. to the point where that work decay over time, we lose ourselves. but there's a moment where we as adults, we choose
4: mm-hmm.
5: to let that continue too. Yes? Yes.
1: yes, yes,, yes, I agree. I was content being skinny. I was happy being thin, having a certain weight. I realized that I, now, as I've had my last child, where I did lose a lot of the weight, but there's still more weight. Not a lot of weight, but there is maybe a good 10 pounds that I want to lose because that's the weight that I want to be in. That's where I'm comfortable in. And some people will say 120 pounds, that's nothing. But for me, I want to be a certain weight.
3: 120? Are you serious? (laughs) (laughs) My God. Really? I mean you got to remember, at one point I was 327 pounds. So I'm here 120. I've listed bags of food heavier than that. <laughs> that's <funny.
1: laughs> oh.
5: Imagine if, if we were to string together some common themes that I can think of throughout the book, and that's compassion. And that's the subject that we were even talking about today. Well, let's move from compassion to really knowing our skills and our values to really embracing and stepping into that worth, that full woman, the proud woman with the shoulders back and the head high. Now bring this into our discussion of being a mentor. And what if this is what we present when we are talking to other women? What if this is what we present when we're talking to even men? Because that subconsciously,
4: helps change their thought process, their mindset thought process as well. What do you think? It makes me more aware of how do I present myself and how does that feed into my goal of being a mentor. Keeps you in the here and now. hmm I gotta say, Joe, it seems like you maybe moved a little step forward. Am I am I right in that thought? I think you could be right. This week also part of my household was not here. For about three days, and the most wonderful thing happened. The most wonderful thing was I truly, deeply, passionately missed that person. I don't know that I thought I could feel that way and feel so at home in a home with someone else. I pretty much given up on ever feeling like that again. It's just a wonderful feeling. Yeah, it's been a crazy week.
1: <laughs>
3: Yum! <laughs> You're beginning to get it. You're beginning to allow the tremendous amount of work you all have done. And I am acutely aware of the fact that you've done tremendous work. For example, if anyone has ever spaded a garden. I mean literally this four pronged metal tool where you gotta jump on it, stick it into the ground, use your <laughs> back, pull it up, use the spade to beat it up and do that and repeat it hundreds, if not thousands of times to spade a garden. Unlike pulling the chain on the rototiller and, <laughs> and just cheering up you can till a garden that way too, but Ladies, you understand I've handed you a fork, a spade, and you're going in and bit by bit, you're spading up who you are. You're looking at it. It's hard work, but it's earning you the stripes to feel more confident than ever before. Yeah? Yes. Yes, absolutely. I am unable to do that spading for you, nor would I want to. And Christina, I'm reflecting back on one of our earlier classes, how one of the biggest loads off your shoulders is you stopped spading for people, right? Yes, (laughs) yes,
4: yes.
3: (laughs) And to me, as you let this fully ripen in, it's like that moment where you first sense the smell of bread baking or the turkey cooking or the garlic roasting or whatever, that first... (sighs) Oh, mm! When's it gonna be ready? <laughs> right? right? I don't know about you, but I could have literally have stuffed myself silly to the point to where my belly button's going to pop. But if I smell garlic being sauteed in butter, it's like, oh, I want more <laughs> as you all have that shift in your confidence, as you tune your energies. This sounds a little woo woo but be prepared for people to show up out of the blue and ask you, what are you doing and how do I get involved?
4: Uh-huh.
3: That will be a common occurrence. So be careful when you take on these requests because they're looking for you to most likely be what they want to be. Yeah? Yes, yes, yes. That's a huge request. True?
1: Yes.
5: Yes. Yeah, I guess that got, feeds into chapter four, though, right, so? <laughs> I love that laugh. And cue the laugh. <laughs>
3: <sighs> Month number five, chapter number four. Month number five, down departing. Please prepare. Please fasten your safety belts. Put your tray tables in the upright position. We are about to take off to Chapter 4.
4: Then do you all. believe it? No, oh.
3: I keep bringing this up because more often than not, I will purposefully help you all be ready for our last call. And one of those ways that I do that is by doing what I just did. The end of our journey will arrive at such a more rapid pace now because we're getting into what I call some of the more magical stuff. You've done the work. This work will continue. I suspect that you will go in and revisit things from time to time. Not like it's done, done, done. I I hope that that's not the case, that as things come up, you allow yourself a little treat now and then and go in and contact another mentor and recognize you have another skill and... Look at that beautiful vase that just got smashed by your child and realize that, okay, yeah, that thing did mean something to me, but it's okay. I'll live that it's now smashed. (laughs) As we get into our journey of creating our timeline, one of the things I'm going to ask you to chart out are relationships. Dig out your yearbooks. Dig out your scrapbooks. Dig out the photo album. Go through the stored pictures on your hard drive and your camera and your phone as you get in touch with some of the more seminal relationships that you've had in your life and how that has played out how it's rippled into your life you're going to rediscover yourself in ways that are going to be absolutely yummy
5: (laughs) (laughs) you say that as i'm getting ready for my 20-year high school reunion <laughs>
3: so I guess I do need to go whip out the yearbook so I can remember who's who huh?
1: <laughs>
3: well I am just absolutely delightfully proud of all of you for the steps in the work that you're doing I I temper my enthusiasm with knowing what's awaiting you. I keep tempering it so that there's no plot
4: spoilers.
3: (laughs) (laughs) What are our takeaways so far today?
4: Love yourself. Give yourself.
3: Be yourself.
5: Be a compassionate, mindful mentor. Truly be a mentor. The focus is not about you.
1: My aha moment is just to continue to build relationships. And the first process, is it begins with me and how I can help others. It's not about me, it's about others.
2: My takeaway is love yourself, be yourself. And as I become myself and I truly fall in love with myself, others will also see that I'm in love with myself and they will want to see more about me.
5: So our beginning lesson of having balance and giving and receiving, do you see the importance of having the balance of me and others? Yes, yeah, yeah. Does that really resonate with you? Think about how where your level of balance is today versus what it was like when we first got started.
4: Mom is much more balanced than when we first started. I'm always a work in progress, but the balance is coming closer and closer.
1: The, the same for me. I agree with Chelsea. The balance for me, it is getting better, it is clearer. It's a slow process, but the process is going. The whole
2: The whole point is just to never stop. The balance for me is yep. just beginning. <laughs> I'm going to say I'm just beginning that balance. I'm starting to feel that shift. I think it's just going to continue as I learn to explore myself more. So I'm excited to just keep going and learn more and more as much as I can. I think I will always continue to enjoy learning.
5: As we're thinking about becoming mentors, there's there's so much to consider where balance is can- and I really just think that it's important for us to really keep in mind that, as, especially as we're going into chapter four here, that we don't forget about all the small nuances that bring balance to our lives and, and in our relationships. Let's just think about, for example, when we started this process and in our agreements that we signed, we agreed to a one-hour conference call on Saturdays. But consistently, after every call, we spend another 30, 45 minutes on the call, right? Right. And I just wonder if you all recognize that that time that I'm giving extra and over and beyond that one hour, that extra value at no additional cost, what do you guys think about that as far as balance? First of all, do you recognize it as additional value and content that you're getting for no additional cost?
4: Yes, yes. I think the extra time that we spend after our one-hour allotted call really helps pull together what we've accomplished on the call and helps also pull together what to look forward to next week. It is a great value.
1: Yes, and it helps clarify what discussions we have, we had, what is our understanding of it. So yes, it does bring a lot of value because it brings the aha moment to us. It brings clarity, mm-hmm. even catch ourselves with things that we're seeing.
4: Right. And Christina has a really good way of having you look deeper into what you're saying to get a deeper meaning out of it. And I think our extra time really helps focus on that.
5: Chelsea, I appreciate the compliment. It's really not about me. What I really want to kind of drive home right now is the balance. Because I have been a little off balance from a perspective of getting above and beyond. My desire to do that was not out of some of the feeling that I'm owed anything. Right. Right? Right. Because this is my part of my mentorship that I'm providing. However, it is important as a recipient, for example, there are times that I get mentorship from soul that's outside of our call. As a team leader, I, I have reached out to him in a given situation and I've asked questions and he's helped me work through those things. That's additional value that he's giving me above and beyond what was agreed upon because he's actually mentoring me. So for me, really incumbent upon me, to show my appreciation to him, I, it's, and it's not something that he asks, and it's not something that is spoken, but it's something that's understood that I now take what he's given me and I continue to sow that into someone else. So my question here is we've had a great discussion about a lot of important ahas and a lot of ways that are profoundly when I think of the potential for mentorship out of this discussion today alone, my question to you is, can you look in the mirror and say, I am absolutely paying forward, not out of obligation, and being a mentor. I'm fully stepping into that mentorship. I'm not hiding these things that could be ministering and mentoring to some other woman. I'm not shying away from it because of the moment, fear of the moment, anxiety about the moment, but I'm fully stepping into that. Did you take the opportunity today to put your controller and tell your controller there's another place for your controller in your life, but in this situation right now, you, it's incumbent that you mentor this person instead of being selfish? are we doing that and that's the question that I'm putting out there today and normally I would put a question like that out and I would just say ponder that for yourself but actually today I'm going to ask Marcia you want to start off
2: I putting myself out there to really help mentor someone is that the question am I clear on that Christina
5: yes are are you are you are you recognizing that you're getting a lot of value. Yeah, you paid for this value this one hour with Soul. Then you get a lot of extra value from, from me and these acts after, after the call discussions. You get a lot of value from Soul in posts that you may or may not be engaging in. You get a lot of value from your other teammates that you may or may not be engaging in. And then you may or may not be taking full action as a result of the all that value, because I'm thinking as we're trying to be mentors here, as we are working on being mentors, if we can't fully step into that, meaning we don't fully embrace all of that and then, then go out and absolutely step into that mentorship by giving that value, by giving that compassion, then what kind of mentor are we? Are we building it on a house of cards,
4: so to speak? Does that make sense what I'm saying? Yes, Yes, it does.
2: This journey
4: has helped me really start to step in to being the mentor. And I think something that Marcia said earlier, we've got to love and have confidence in ourselves before we can really present ourselves as a mentor to people. I find that as I continue on this journey, I am more able, or maybe I want to more, step up and be a mentor for people, and I think about the people that I work with who are just such a wide variety of personalities and, and life experience and life issues, and myself opening up my empathic abilities even more, I'm able to mentor to them more, and I only perceive that that balance getting closer, and I perceive myself as being able to mentor better. It gets, just gets better and better.
5: Chelsea, I ask you, is it possible that the controller is coming out a bit? Let's be honest. The controller and the the perfectionist, maybe. The notion that I will ever be 100% that person, that mentor, that I want to be, that I can be, that I will be, is crazy because I'm always learning. I'm always doing the work to go deeper. So I'm always going to be able to provide more value. So one lesson. In that I woke up this morning and I said hi, Sammy, and I impart that upon another woman or or someone or a, another man even mm-hmm. is a mentorship. Let's think about as we're going through this journey and we're getting ready to get into the chapter four. Like this is one of those chapters that Soul's been talking about forever and a day, so I can only imagine what it is. And I just realized that I'm teaching that chapter. <laughs> I digress. <laughs> Yeah, no pressure. But ladies, what I'm trying to drive home is, is that this is not one chapter at a time, and then you forget the previous stuff. Mm-hmm. This stuff builds on the previous stuff. Let's go back to that discussion of what is and what isn't value. What's the definition of value? And i got to say that every day for the last few months, I've literally been looking in the mirror saying, Christina, how dare you? allow that controller to rob that person that you were talking to just then of some kind of value that could have helped them. I could have mentored to them. But because it was about me selfishly allowing my controller to take over that situation, I didn't impart that one little nugget that could have set
4: somebody free. It's about building a firm foundation. Each chapter is a building block. And it's building a firm foundation for all of us. Right. Would you ladies agree that there's opportunity for you to be threading these
5: lessons together instead of taking them so siloed?
2: Oh, yeah. I do honestly go over listening and re-listening to our recordings because this is really a lot to absorb. I mean, just Mm -hmm. thinking about mentoring someone when I'm, in the process of just discovering who i am let's just put it that way overwhelm me at the to the point where i'm just like wow can i do this i want to be able to understand exactly what is mentoring i guess because i think i have had a different idea about what mentoring was and as i'm going through the book going through this journey with you ladies i recognize Some of the things that I had done with my mentoring that probably were not the best for that person. I should not have done that. And I'm just recognizing that now as I'm growing and learning. As I was listening to the discussion with you ladies and soul, I recognized some of the things that I had been doing that I now know I don't need to do. Like I had been hand-holding or Just a lot of the things that I recognize that I was doing that I don't need to do anymore.
5: What I can say to that is, Marcia, is that is the exact point in this discussion right now. Okay. Because I know that you all are working on starting your own team. Yes. And this whole time, I don't know that I haven't come out and said, hey guys, I'm providing extra value here. Please pay attention to this in a more in-depth way really get this in there, and it's easy to overlook and just have that expectation. I'm not pointing this out as a, any kind of guilt or anything like that. It's all based on I am sharing, I am trying to mentor to you because, in fact, I have been what you guys are saying about mentorship and everything, like that's where I've been sitting this whole time. You have the benefits of going on five months now. Of going through this program and actually starting to really realize what the program truly is and can do for you I stepped into this mentorship and did not have that and so every week I get a new revelation of truly what we're doing in this journey of truly what it can be for some other person so what I started this off as being a team leader and th- thought this program was it's, it's completely 360 more than I ever imagined And much more than I haven't even, I haven't even recognized yet. And I understand that overwhelming feeling of, oh my gosh, I'm leading these people and I don't even know what the hell this is. Right. (laughs) What I don't think is that you all have recognized I have been taking my steps fully into that position, but I'm pointing this out in an effort to show you that these are steps and actions that a mentor that these are steps and actions that a mentor must take. You must get out of your self circle, your self focus, to start to be able to really realize that stuff, that space. And if it sounds like my tone is a little bit more sharp right now, it is. Because we are in month five, A. We do have more depth that we can go, B and myself included, and see you are starting your own team. So like you said, Marcia, I've been doing a bit of hand-holding. I've been doing a bit of subtle suggestion. And maybe I haven't been the best mentor to you by doing so. Because here we are getting ready to start month five, and I know I'm telling you that I truly feel that Team Clarity has not understood how much value you get after that one hour and how much mentorship I'm truly trying to impart in this process. And part of that I just have to ask you is are you still a bit in your self circle and there's not enough balance going on there? That's just a thought. You have to answer it for yourself. Does that make sense?
2: Yes. It makes sense, Christina. I'm starting to understand more of what you're explaining to us that mentoring others really is about getting out of ourselves. Mm. I usually just go with the flow of energy that I'm in. It seems to work out for me throughout the day where I am actually noticing more people who I know but yet I have never spoken to yet really. And for the first time, I'm starting to actually start conversations with them once again. We're all connected to so many people. We've got this huge list of people that probably we have never talked to for quite a while. I understand that.
4: Marsha's saying, you know, it's important. If you want to be a true mentor, you absolutely have to get past yourself. When you get past yourself, you're able to be a better mentor to the people that God puts in your life that need a nugget from you. And it may just be a small nugget, but being aware of that and seizing the moment past yourself is important.
1: Yeah.
5: And I'm mindful, ladies. I'm quite mindful. I really work hard at stringing together all of the lessons to build on each other. And I'm also mindful on Marcia, Julia, Chelsea, and- listen to this back and be like, oh, no, or even in this moment be like, nah, let me turn the mirror around. And that's what it should be because a true mentor knows and can accept the mirror being turned back, welcomes it because I know I get
4: growth out of that. And that's what it's all about. It's about being able to look at ourselves honestly and grow from that. So as we get ready to go into Chapter 4, I'm thinking that
5: that a lot of Chapter 4 is is going to be starting to bring in the balance and really start to tighten up the gap. I'm pretty sure that after Chapter 4, it'll seem a little lighter, at least that's what Sol has alluded to in our conversations, that the hard work is Chapters 1 through 4, and we've been doing some hard work. We, I know we all have been through some mental, emotional, and spiritual roller coasters. <laughs> I, I totally, I totally am mindful of that, ladies. I know what you're going through. Trust me. <laughs> I have had those highs and lows where I thought, I, I am I going crazy or what? <laughs> so I totally respect that, and I, I love you guys like nobody's business for real. So love I guess it's no, talk to
4: everybody next week. I talk to everybody later. Thank you. Bye.
0: Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Wow, that was great. Thanks for listening. As one of many pay-me-what-I'm-worth team captains, it's my role to help people get serious about removing blocks to success, blocks like doubt, guilt, shame, and worry. As you've just heard, our team is both real and serious about being the best that we can be. How about you? Are you ready? Are you ready to remove these blocks in your life? As you can see, I'm very serious about helping you live your life with less stress and more success. Call me at 423-737-5809. Again, that's 423-737-5809 so that we can talk about your next steps. And before you go, let's continue this conversation in the comment box below. I look forward to talking with you. You're listening to Christina Irvin, one of the many team captains for Pay Radio. Radio worth listening to. Have a great day.
3: Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com.
1: It's my little escape.
3: Now Judy's the life of the party.
1: Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon.
3: Whoa, take it easy, Judy. Judy.